பைபிள் ட்ரெஷர்ஸ் டாபிக் வெல்கம் டு தி சவுண்ட் டாக்டர் டெலிகாஸ்ட் ஒன் ஆஃப் த சேடஸ்ட் திங்ஸ் இன் கிறிஸ்டியன் லைஃப் இஸ் ஸ்டாக்னேஷன் in christian life we should always be moving forward and we should always be going upward also moving forward and going upward together is possible only through the meditation of god's word the casual reading and a hurried meditation will not help we must take time and we should sustain ourselves in the deep meditation of god's word when we do that there will be a freshness that will be the outcome of the study of the scriptures now that freshness is portrayed to us in a picture language in psalm 23 Turn with us to Psalm 23. We'll read the first two verses to you. Most of us know this psalm by heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does he do? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside still waters. the freshness that we are talking about is explained to us here by green pastures and still waters now when we said still waters it does not mean stagnant waters it only speaks that it is not turbulent waters it is not floods but it is gentle stream So every time we study a subject from the scriptures of fresh we will experience this freshness through the ministry of the holy spirit and that is possible to us by the ministry of the holy spirit and he takes us higher and he also takes us deeper This is the motivation behind this sound doctrine telecast we bring to you week after week. Now the subject that we are studying is repentance. The topic under consideration is how not to repent. So far we have done four lessons. Number 1 do not repent just to escape judgment number 2 do not depend on religious activities number 3 do not isolate repentance from faith and works last week we studied lesson number 4 do not be vague in your sin confession Today we will move on to lesson number 5 how not to repent do not compare yourself with others do not compare yourself with others jesus told many stories and parables to explain some eternal truths 
in most of the instances he himself has given the moral of the story or the moral of that parable and in several places he has made the context in such a way that the moral comes up so very clearly but we often ignore it and we go around emphasizing the peripheral and we leave the central truth or the central thrust of any story or a parable now one example can explain what we are talking about luke's gospel if you turn with us to the 18th chapter there we have the story of a pharisee and a tax collector who went to the temple to pray we want to tell you something This parable is not to teach us how to be saved. The main purpose of this parable is to teach us that we should never compare ourselves with others. Turn with us to that passage 18th chapter of Luke's gospel and the ninth verse. And he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised other people the story is to just to warn us against comparing of ourselves with other people we have the long prayer of the pharisee that is written for us but you know what was the first sentence of his prayer look at the 11th words thank you that i am not like other men that was what he was totally occupied with beloved we want to tell you right at the outset god abhors such attitude turn with us to book of isaiah 65th chapter and we look at verse 5 who say keep to yourself don't come near me for i am holier than you these people are smoke in my nostrils and they are a fire that burns all day you know how terrible this saying is now these people say keep to yourself don't come near me i am holier than you you know who are these people these were the people of israel that's what we read in the first verse god is contrasting the people of israel with the people of non jewish community that is the gentile world and what does he tell about the gentile people i was sought by those who did not ask for me and i was found by those who did not seek me I said here I am here I am to a nation that was not called by my name In other words the people of Israel they were treating the other people as untouchables they said we are holier than you don't come near us And God says such people I abhor they are just smoke in my nostrils Beloved our yardstick should not be other people our yardstick should be the standard of god itself one excellent example which i very frequently refer to is the example of prophet isaiah 
Turn with us to the book of Isaiah 60 chapter. Look at the third verse. They had a vision of God. And there is a voice of praise unto God. And what does the voice say? Third verse. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. You know, when he heard that revelation of the holiness of God, what was his response? Woe is me, for I am undone. And because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, because he says in the same words at the end of it, For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now that means we have praise, holy, holy, holy. He reciprocates his saying, undone, undone, unclean, unclean. Just like prophet Isaiah, patriarch Job also had a similar experience. Turn with us to book of Job and 42nd chapter. Now that is towards the end of the story of Job. Now we'll read verses 5 and 6 to you. I have heard of you, O God, by the hearing of the ear. Now my eye sees you. Because of this greater revelation, what was his response? Therefore I abhor, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and in ashes. Beloved, when you look at these prophets and patriarchs, whenever they had a fresh revelation of God, immediately that led them to a deeper repentance. This is not the case only in the Old Testament, very much so in the New Testament. Turn with us to look at an incident in Luke's Gospel, 5th chapter. All night the disciples were trying to catch fish, but toiling and moiling they caught nothing. When Jesus came, he asked them to launch the net into the deep. There was such a miraculous catch, never ever they have seen such a thing in their life. What did Simon Peter immediately say? Look at the eighth words. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. What did he say? Depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. There, there is a revelation of the holiness of God. Or revelation about the vision of God. Or revelation of the miracle power of God. The response was, Oh, I am a sinful man. Now I really abhor myself. But today, people talk about so many visions. Hey, I saw Jesus. Hey, I saw heaven open. So many things people talk about. That only makes them arrogant and that only makes them proud. Nobody tells that I saw the vision of God. Now what an unclean man I am. Now I am repenting. No preacher or no prophet says like that. This is where the modern revelations become highly questionable. When you start praising God, you know what should be the subject of your main praise? 
Turn with us to the book of Exodus 15th chapter. And this is actually the song of Moses. What does he say in the 11th verse? Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness? And fearful in praises? And doing wonders? Records don't come first, our wonders do not come first. Glorious in holiness. All the other things are secondary. Beloved, we should set our priorities right if we want to get the full blessing of God's revelation through His Word. We should also, you know, if when we are the children of God, we are believers, we should never feel proud of our repentance looking at those who have not yet repented. You know why? Repentance is not by ourselves. Even repentance is a gift from God. Turn with us to Acts of the Apostles 11th chapter. Read the 18th words. The reporting of what happened in the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. And you know how they interpret it? They glorified God saying that God has granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Who granted repentance to Gentiles? God granted repentance. That is why Jesus said, Unless my father draws any man unto himself, no one can come to me. Then how do you understand that? God, through His Holy Spirit, He convicts us. So He is the initiator. And our response, if it is positive, that is what repentance is. So we should never boast of our repentance on the face of those who have not repented so far. At this moment, I remember what happened once in the ministry of John Wesley. One day, he was going with his associates to preach in a convention. And as he was going, suddenly he stopped in the middle of the road. And he started crying. His associates did not understand what was happening to him. And you know what he said? There he saw yonder a drunkard who was drawn on the dusty roads by a policeman. You know what John Wesley said? There goes John Wesley, but for the grace of God. We want to make that statement again because it is a classic statement of history. There goes John Wesley, but for the grace of God. Beloved, not only that, we should also remember that we did not respond to God with repentance the very first moment when God convicted us. Most of us took many, many long years before saying yes to the call of God. We almost exhausted His patience, beloved. God began to say, Whole day I am stretching forth my hand to a people of disobedience. 
That is why even in the time of Noah, you know what the Bible says? God said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. You know, this is all speaking about the patience of God. We are trying to exhaust his patience. Beloved, another thing we want to tell you. Just because we repent, we don't add anything to God. God does not gain something just because we repent. Turn with us to a very challenging passage in book of Job, 35th chapter. Read from verse 6 onwards. If you sin, what do you accomplish against him? And if your transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give him? What does he receive from your hand? Beloved, our repentance does not plus anything to God. And our refusal to repent does not minus anything from God either. God is absolutely absolute. You cannot add anything to him. You cannot subtract anything from him. That is why Paul, when he was writing to Gentile believers, he said, don't boast about your repentance and acceptance in God's kingdom against the Jews or the people of Israel who lost it because of disobedience. He said the people of Israel are the original branches. They were cut off. Now you, a wild olive branch, you are grafted into the tree. Don't become haughty. Stay humble. If God can put you into the tree, God can also restore them and put them into the tree. Beloved, that is why the lesson comes to us so clearly today. Never ever boast about your repentance. And never ever compare yourself with other people. We want to conclude with some of the striking statements that the Lord Jesus Christ made. Turn with us to Matthew's Gospel, 19th chapter. And I will read to you the last words, even the 30th words. Many who are first will be last. And the last will be first. So on the day of resurrection, there may be many, many unpleasant surprises. Any who thought would definitely be there will be missing there. And those people whom we have written off, they may be there first, in the first seats. Beloved, these things can happen in heaven. That is why the Lord Jesus Christ warned the people in his times. Prostitutes and publicans will enter the kingdom of God before you people. Now, this was something which I am sure the people of his day were not able to take it. Nevertheless, he said it because that is the truth. That's why Jesus told his disciples, You did not choose me. I chose you. Credit is not for you. The credit is for me. The glory is for me. And John, the beloved apostle, in his writings, you know what he said? 
He first loved us. He loved us first. We are saved. We cannot boast of our salvation. We have repented. We cannot boast of our repentance. Anytime we want to compare ourselves with anything, that has to be only with God's holiness. Never ever we should compare ourselves with other people. How not to repent? Do not compare yourself with others. God bless you.